Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. Today, we're so excited because we're going to talk about how trees can boost the economy and how you can get a job in the world of trees. Come on, it's not just for tree huggers. Well, I'm a tree hugger because they really give us life. So we're very excited today. Um, We are launching our brand new Big Blend Radio fourth Tuesday tree talk show. And this all started last month when we had a conversation with Jad Daly. He's a president and CEO of American Forests. And he joined us to talk about their tree equity initiative. What is your tree equity? What's your community like in regards to trees? Do you have tree canopy? Do you not? Um, This is really crucial when we talk about climate change, health for our communities, economy for our communities. So we're very excited to have Jad back on the show to kick this off. And also Sarah Anderson. She's a director of Career Pathways Initiative for American Forests. And also Ian Leahy. I've got it right, right? He's the vice president of Urban Forestry. So no matter what, check out this website, AmericanForest.org, and also go to TreeEquity.org. So welcome, Jad. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Lisa. Thanks so much. You know, this tree equity movement is taking off across America. It is just so exciting. And and thanks so much for the earlier show. That's really played a big role um, in getting the word out, because when the word gets out, uh, people understand that this is a serious issue. Uh, We need to take action. It's actually a life or death issue for our country, when you've got 116 degree days uh, in Portland, Oregon, uh, you know something's happening with our climate. You know we've got new challenges, new threats to our communities, uh, and trees are one of the most essential natural defenses for our communities against extreme heat, against rising air pollution, uh, and they bring so many other benefits, uh, well-being benefits to our communities uh, that that it's it's a life or death issue, uh, and it's a critical equity issue in America. Uh, that everyone have uh, tree cover, uh, healthy and resilient tree cover in their neighborhood. And look, for anyone who might not have heard the last show, let's let's level set here. Let's go back uh, to the basics, which is that what tree equity is about uh, is that that's not what we have today. We have tree inequity today. A map of tree cover uh, in our cities across America is also a map of income. And it's a map of race in ways that transcend income due to the effect of systemic racism, uh, like redlining and disproportionate investment uh, across our communities uh, year after year and decade after decade. And so this has produced this incredible disparity of trees. Uh, Our analysis uh, uh, found that um, for the wealthiest neighborhoods versus the lowest income neighborhoods, for example, those uh, lower income neighborhoods have 41% less tree cover on average uh, across the country that uh, communities that are majority of people of color uh, have 33% less tree canopy uh, across the country than majority white neighborhoods. So uh, the data are unmistakable uh, about this pattern uh, of of trees uh, tracking uh, income and race. And and in a changing climate uh, with threats from extreme heat, rising air pollution, uh, that is just an insupportable uh, situation. It is literally... Uh, putting people, uh, people's lives uh, at risk. And so, um, it, you know, we're trying to name and frame this issue for the country. Uh, the tree equity score that we talked about in the last show is a tool that we developed um, and published free, easy to use as a cell phone. Uh, any person can go 
type in the name of your community, you can see this phenomenon right where you live and you go neighborhood by neighborhood uh, and see these disparities, see the people who are being impacted. Um, you know, the folks who don't have air conditioning, for example, uh, you know, uh, more likely to have uh, pre-existing health conditions. And our data actually, you know, show uh, those kinds of variables, income and, uh, and health status. Uh, and you can see where lack of trees uh, is leading to hotter neighborhoods, is putting people at greater risk. So you can see how this is playing out in your community. Uh, we created True Equity Score as a tool, uh, not just to name and frame the problem, but to give us the capacity to take action, to plan where we should be investing in our communities, to create tree equity, um, to give people information and data that they can use to advocate with city officials, um, to, to, to bring investment uh, into their communities to fix this, to create a tree equity. Uh, and we all just need to think about this. This is our heat shield. Uh, this is our air purifier. Um, and by the way, it's also a wealth generator uh, for our communities as well. And so at a time like this, it, it's just a no-brainer investment. Uh, and, and so the, the, the key for us now is now that we have the nation's attention on this issue, uh, you know, let's get to work. Um, so I'm going to say two last things, and I want to, you know, I hope, I hope you spend the rest of the time talking to the, the real experts here, these great implementers uh, who are out there right now working with uh, leaders from the national level to the local level to make this real. Uh, but I want to give you one number. And I'm sorry, Sarah, I'm going to steal this number from you because you'll probably come back to it later. <laughs> but we did analysis that showed for every million dollars that we invest uh, in our communities to do the work of tree equity, that's everything from growing seedlings um, to doing the work of planting trees and caring for trees, uh, we can generate 25.7 direct, indirect, and induced jobs. Um, if we align that investment, that, uh, that uh, job creation uh, with the neighborhoods that have been uh, uh, underinvested, that have most fundamentally economic inequity. And we actually don't just address tree inequity, but we use that as a tool to also address the underlying economic inequity. Now we're getting somewhere. Um, and so it is an absolute moral imperative that we address tree equity, but it's just as much of an imperative that we turn that into jobs for people in the neighborhoods where this work is happening um, so that we can address uh, the underlying systemic issues uh, and, and inequities in our society uh, at every single level. So I'm just so honored to have colleagues like Ian and Sarah who are taking those, uh, those big uh, visions and ideas and actually going out there with incredible partners, diverse partners across the country and, and working to, to capture that opportunity to make that, make that real every day. You know, I, I think this is so exciting. And that's why we started like, okay, well, you're on the fourth Tuesday. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep talking trees till the cows come home. And <laughs> we have tree canopy, not just across this country, but the rest of the world too. I think what you're doing is also setting up something for the rest of the world to look at how to do things. Um, you know, tree cat. I mean, look at look what's happening to the orangutans. And, you know, I'm going, their habitat's being destroyed and we're losing species over it. But we're also looking at human health here. Um, we're looking at what's going on with climate change, like you were saying earlier, which is a really big deal. Um, Nancy and I travel full time and sorry she can't be with us, but, you know, everyone knows we pet sit and we travel and she's not here right now. She's playing with dogs. But um, the thing is, we've, we've started looking at the tree equity score as we travel. And it's very interesting um, how different neighborhoods you could be in this one portion of Prescott. We were actually right next to the Prescott National Forest and there was 24 wildfires surrounding us. And I wonder about like tree canopies. So people start pulling out trees from their properties because of forest fire and they may not want to have one right next to their house. Um, 
we watch the wildlife come in as I'm walking a dog. Here comes the coyotes. Oh, they haven't had coyotes in their neighborhood. I'm like, well, yeah, there's smoke and fire are all around us. They're coming in. So, you know, we're seeing that. And then we went across to Florida and we went to St. Petersburg, a very old neighborhood in a very old house and not high income, um, not specifically low income, but it was one of those communities almost felt like it got forgotten and um, development is coming in. In fact, while we were there, they were destroying an old house. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. And the tree equity score wasn't as great, but we have a big old tree in the backyard from this old house. And now we're in Orlando and we're in this house, old house, older house, maybe from the 60s, 70s, not as old as St. Petersburg. And each one has one in the backyard, no trees in the front yard. Um, and it's kind of, again, sometimes I feel like communities in certain neighborhoods get forgotten. And so it's been a, a very interesting thing. I think we were supposed to have this detour. I know we were going to be in Texas when we talked to you again, Jed, um, but it's been interesting to see the go to Orlando, you see so many trees and it's so lush and green. And I look on the tree equity score, it's not as high as I would have thought it would have been. So I want to bring Ian on this, Ian, this tree equity score, because I've talked to people, I've had a lot of feedback about the last show. And I'm telling people it's the real science. Can you give us kind of an insight of how it was created? So people know it's not like, hey, we just decided to give everybody a score. This was actually some math and science and satellite stuff going on. This is some real deal stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. And Audrey. welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we wanted to do the exact opposite of just like throw a number out. Like we created a tool and a whole suite of support tools to really, you know, help people address uh, at all levels from the individual resident to community organizations all the way up to city, state, uh, gov government, um, you know, look at it, look at that number, take action and track progress toward it. So that number came from um, a, a collection of data sets at, at core, like the field of urban forestry has had uh, many years of mapping American forests ourselves were pioneers in this back in the nineties doing satellite image analyses. Um, so you, when we were exploring this, like, I, I was like, we need to take it a step further. We need to not just create another sea of maps. Uh, so that's where the score kind of came into mm. focus and really trying to take this complex data and synthesize it in a way that anybody can very quickly uh, grasp it. And Chris David on our team and Rohit Musti did just brilliant jobs turning turning those ideas into reality. Um, so what we did, we partnered with Earth Define. In particular, they're a company that uh, had done, they saw a few of our pilot cities and they reached out and they were like, hey, we'd love to partner. So they they allowed us to really scale this nationally um, as quickly as possible. We, we uh, used census data, uh, centers for disease control data. And then wow. where we had it, we used local data to get much more refined. Um, and we gave, we looked at uh, income, employment, ethnicity, age, uh, health factors like uh, you know, hospitalizations from respiratory illness, things like that. And we, we put them all in this weighted uh, score on a scale of zero to 100. And one of the great things about it is it's, it's a very dynamic uh, scale. So it's not just, we, we give tree numbers to count, but as you know, cities socioeconomic factors change, the, the importance of planting that tree, tree changes. So it's, it, keeps it keeps it very focused on, you know, if you have a limited money, which most urban forestry programs do, 
where is that dollar going to have the most impact? So wherever you're looking, if you look in that census block group, that neighborhood, you're going to see, okay, we can put our dollars here, we can plant trees, we can maintain the trees we already have there, which is critical. This isn't just about planting trees, it's about the full cycle of urban forestry from propagating the right trees for our coming future. We do these uh, uh, climate uh, vulnerability assessments with uh, this group called the Northern Institute of Applied Climate Science, and we look out 50 years to see what the temperatures are going to be like. Um, and you know, those are gonna be much different from 1970 uh, temperatures and what the climate was then. Um, I'll just say one more thing on that front. I, th I think we really need to get our heads around what's coming and the trajectory we're on. Uh, Princeton University's uh, uh, Climate Central uh, projects uh, by the end of the century what a thousand cities across the country are gonna, gonna have temperature wise. So Green Bay, the famous tundra is going to have summers that feel like uh, South Florida. Um, you know, we just have to really be able to get our heads around what's what we're not prepared for yet. So the idea is if we can get these investments in these uh, areas that are of highest uh, need and highest vulnerability, whether it's age or whatever the factors is, you know, people who can't afford air conditioning, then we can start building this protective layer out um, across cities and, and manage them. And from that, we create a lot of jobs. Oh, and I want to talk about this. I know Sarah's will talk more about jobs, but this whole heat thing that we're going through, the Pacific Northwest, we went through that just a few months ago. Nancy and I were up there and the temperatures were fluctuating and most of the homes do not actually have air conditioning because they're not set up right. for it. Um, the desert is. Um, and so, but then at the same time, we have this incredible drought and then West Texas is suddenly green. Everything is kind of topsy-turvy and I've driven through it. Like, let me just tell you, I've drove through your rains, Texas. Thank you. But this is not funny when it comes to wildfires, which we've been through a ton of them. With the wildfires, um, Arizona a few years ago had, and I think you guys, I saw it on Facebook, you guys reposted some of that footage of what happens after a wildfire. And, yeah. um, you know, if areas do not replant and understand the importance of trees, you really have these flash floods like are not incredible. Like, I mean, they're in incredible in that holy crap, let's run, you know, but it's, it's um, a very scary thing. So there's a replanting thing that also has to happen. Um, we have a disaster situation coming from climate change that is going to affect your tree equity score. Sorry. Yeah, you know, and, and Lisa, let me just say two things quickly. I, I want to tag back from the, when Ian was talking about the tree equity score, there, there's one you were talking about questions that you might be getting on it. I think there's one critical question that a lot that a lot of people have asked is uh, they say, well, isn't it just, isn't the trajectory score just a matter of whether you're like in a dense downtown or whether you're out on the edge of a city? Right. Um, and I think it's a really important thing for people to understand that we even talk about all the ways in which we're taking this data in and, and but we're interpreting it you know, and we're, and we're synthesizing it so that the score actually makes sense. It actually represents what we think it does. And one of the ways in which we did that interpretation is we actually correct for the difference between the amount of tree cover you would expect and, and that we can actually feasibly have in a very dense downtown versus out in, in the edges of a city where there's just, you know, not the same population density. So we look at tree cover and population density together oh, to get what I would so, call yeah. a smart assessment. It's kind of like an informed assessment of the amount of tree cover that's there versus what's uh, realistic to expect um, based on that population density. And by the way, also corrected for the difference between say, what you would expect to see in Arizona versus Detroit, um, just given the nature of the different climate and, and eco zone that you're in. 
Um, so I just think that is, I would just want to add that in because it, 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 if anyone's wondering, like, is this real? And how, you know, it, it, what, what is this show really telling me? We did think through all those kinds of the, details. It, it's, there's so well. many things to play about with this because our, as we develop as humankind, we are shaping and shifting the natural landscape. And what we thought 100 years ago and 50 years ago and 30 years ago is not what it is now. And we've got climate change on us. And um, we have to look at all populations in our country. Um, but Ian, I, I do want to go back to you about that importance, because I know that you understand the releafing and the retreeing, and that's important. Um, but I want to bring Sarah on, too, because welcome. How are you? <laughs> You've got to come on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. Oh, what is that? You're ziplining? Like, for those watching versus listening, she's ziplining? <laughs> what, 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 are you swinging up a tree? <laughs> So this is actually not me. Um, okay. This is our colleague uh, Aziza. Um, yeah, she's a Davy Tree. Yeah. The very first Tazo Tree Corps member. She is uh, uh, an employee of our partner um, Davy Tree Experts, who uh, works alongside us to employ people in urban forestry jobs. Um, That's and so, so cool. she is a and her title is a, a climbing arborist trainee so she's getting trained to become a climbing arborist and she's up in a tree she's harnessed up no but the safety gear in her helmet and her safety glasses see, see i just like okay so now i'm thinking hello you're having a good time but no this is a woman working a woman of color working and in trees which we like the other day i was at a friend's bed and breakfast she's like you're gonna love this we have a woman welder coming in just because you know hello, we got to have some women in these skill sets, right? And we, we forget them. So you're just, I love this. So women are up trees. Heck yeah. Absolutely. I was a tree climber as a kid. Why can't I be up working in a tree? We're trying to tell all the kids, hey, you want to get paid to climb trees? Hell yes. (laughs) You can make really, really good money actually doing this work just from an entry level perspective. I mean, the, the demand for people right now as it stands is huge to enter into the field. I mean, from folks who are plant healthcare technicians, uh, tree climbing arborists like Aziza, um, who who are getting trained to to climb and inspect trees for their health, right? And their wellness to make sure that they can continue to provide those benefits, right? Of cleaner air and more shade and uh, provide us all of the the resilience uh, benefits that we know communities need to uh, folks who specialize in uh, pest detection and folks who specialize in uh, community relations. I mean, jobs in the urban forest, I mean, there's, there's, they're manifold and plentiful, um, but for just entry-level folks who are coming in um, to plant and care for trees, the average wage actually has gone up by a full dollar the past four years, every year. Uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Wow. And right now, the average wage for a tree trimmer and pruner uh, coming in is 44 grand a year. That's, that's, that's starting. Pretty that's like good. Very little experience. People are paying bonus pay right now. And we, we cannot get people trained up and in these jobs fast enough to, to keep up with, as you mentioned, right? Uh, recovery from wildfire, recovery from... Um, from storms and, and damage. Um, I mean, our urban canopies are just like Ian was saying, they are a protective layer, mm. right? That, that keeps our communities resilient. I mean, at American Forest, we're, we're committed to urban forestry 
management and excellence in that management. And that starts with the people who are actually planting and caring for trees right on the ground. So, so isn't it kind of cool? I mean, look at her in the background. And I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. She's got glasses on, but she I'm like, and she's got a nose ring. You don't have a nose ring. But anyway, she, you know, just saying, hey, I no, I ain't doing that. But, but, but going out there, she looks so happy and you're outside in nature. I, you know, we created our own lives. Like we're going to document parks and public land so we can be outside And I think that so many of our careers now are so like get in the cubicle. And now after COVID, we're like, hello, no, we can kind of work from home. We can go outside. We can do these different things. And we're starting to understand the importance of nature and being outdoors. I wonder how many people are going, I want a job outside. Most park rangers I know come from doing something in school or volunteering and doing something. And next thing you know, they're forest rangers or something. But this is actual forestry work within communities. Exactly. And, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize, right? They think, oh, I want to be a forest ranger or a park ranger. And they think big parks out there somewhere yeah. right? away from urban centers, away from cities. Cities are, nature's right here, right? You see in, in um, Ian's background, right? Or Jad's background. There's trees on streets. There's trees in parks, communities that need um, uh forestry and canopy coverage, um, maintenance and management right now. And if we're going to actually achieve this dream of tree equity, right, and plant those 522 million additional trees. Did and you say 522 them, million? 22 by million. how, by when? How well, far? Now? It's not necessarily a buy <laughs> because what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're planting to, for, you know, species biodiversity to optimize um, age uh, diversity in, in our urban forests as well. Um, but our estimate is that we can plant and care for an additional 31 uh, million trees annually. Um, and so that's going to take a workforce of an additional three and a half, a little bit more than three and a half million people. And so we're, we're telling everybody, come one, come all. Uh, we have tons of uh, employers in the field who are hiring in every sector, nonprofits, municipalities, for-profit utilities as well, even in academia, right? We need people who can train people like Aziza, right, to climb trees safely. Right. We, and we and can teach her the, the tree planting and, and pruning basics and biology. So This is what's so interesting with AI happening. People are getting all scared about robotics and, you know, all this, you know, geeky software stuff. But we need the geeky software to have the tree equity score and also to manage the water and stuff. So there we need geek people in trees because that's how you manage watering. Everything I know from the West, um, like all the agriculture, like the farmers we've interviewed, they've gone to robotics and they manage their water according to computer stuff. And so I'm like, well, that stuff, I, you can do that. But, but that's the truth. We need geeks in trees. We do. We, I mean, who do you think created tree equity score? Yes. Yeah, brilliant scientists who, who <laughs> work with on staff. And this is the thing too, going up and managing, managing an urban canopy, right? It's, it's not like managing a broad forest, right? There's not natural regeneration oftentimes that happens trees and cities need to be managed because they face a lot of other barriers to growing and being successful, right? So they've got concrete and, Rose. you know, bird poop or whatever. I mean, that's, I guess, in rural forests too, but there's pollution and other kinds of stressors like development that also threatens our tree canopy cover in urban areas. And so 
they need to be protected. They need um, to be cared for and nurtured. And those jobs can't be outsourced. We yeah. want people to actually really go and check on trees and make sure that we have enough in our inventory, that they're not getting taken down unfairly um, and, and like repurposed for other uses um, and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, because you could put in a lens, you know, in your landscape, you, you know, it's like, I, I'm just going to use our pet setting thing as we go across the country is, you know, people have, oh, no, we have a drip irrigation system. Well, guess what? The coyotes came in and ate that. You know, you can't, you, you still need the human to check on the system. So it's always there, but the human creates the system. So Ian, I, I wanted to touch base with you about that. I mean, when it comes to creating cre- tree canopies across the country in these city areas, um, and some of the outlying areas still need it too, working with the cities, isn't that part of this whole big thing is really looking at, I know there's the infrastructure bill right now, Invest in America, but um, Ian, isn't it also kind of looking at the community working a little bit bigger with their municipalities to make what happens happen? Absolutely, yes. Uh, community engagement uh, in the communities is, is the heart of it all. Um, I mean, trees are kind of a unique in infrastructure. They're a living infrastructure. They increase in value after they've been planted, as they grow, and, and people develop bonds to them. They develop a psychological connection, an emotional connection. Um, you know, people sometimes email messages to trees. You know, some cities have programs set up where you can send a love note to a tree. Um, so uh-huh. it takes on a whole different dynamic than like building another another road, right? Like, um, so. And sometimes people are scared of trees. Like you have to account for, you have to listen to people. You have to talk to communities and know like, hey, you know what? There's a pickup game of soccer that happens there every Saturday. It's a real bonding moment for our community. We, we prefer not trees there, but there's this vacant lot down the street. We'd love to see that turned into something. And you, you know, so you listen. So you, you take the data as a starting point, but then you have to really get down and engage the community and figure out, okay, what's really realistic uh, of where people want. And, uh, and yeah, so city agencies, they do heroic jobs on, on really shoestring budgets in our field. Um, you know, sometimes there's even multiple, or one uh, arborist for multiple cities, you know, smaller cities. Um, and some of them like Washington DC has have very sophisticated advanced programs with, you know, advanced data uh, management and people with PhDs and masters dealing with forest health and pest management and all that. So it runs a spectrum. So it's really about, um, meeting people where they are. We developed a, this uh, website called Vibrant Cities Lab, and we put a tool on there called the Community Assessment and Goal Setting Tool. And it it allows you know these cities to go through and um, do their own self-assessment, figure out what where they feel their, their uh, strengths are, looking at all the factors that go into building a successful urban forestry program. And then it gives a gap score at the end, and, and they can set their own timeline and focus on their own areas where they want to invest and start closing that gap. Um, oh, so we're just going to call this instead of tree talk, tree tools, because it seems like you guys have a whole <laughs> set of tools, like the tree tool belts. I love this. But that's important Ian, because I think the community has to be involved and understand, you know, and, and a lot of times like things will happen and then the community will be like, well, they didn't ask me or they didn't, you know. And so having that connection, whether it's a big city, small city, the neighborhood is really crucial. And also, um, it, to me, it does create more jobs in the municipality district, too, for those, you know, that love their community, like, hey, I want to protect this area. Well, maybe there's a job there. And part of it includes making sure there are trees and other plants. And 
nurseries, plant nurseries. I, I want to talk about nurseries, the importance of nurseries, because I've also seen, I've seen the, some negative sides of nurseries that take out other little ones. Okay. And there's the, I, I'm not going to get too far into that, but it's so crucial that native plant nurseries and tree farms have a place in all of this um, so that the right trees are going into the right habitat. Um, sometimes when you go and we, I mean, we do gardening shows, we've done them for years and someone will go to A, Z, X, Y and purchase something. And the person doesn't know what the tree is about or their area because it's just drop shipped in. And this is the whole region. This whole state has the same zone and it's not true. And then the homeowner may have only had this budget. I'm going to plant my one tree and we saved up for this. And then it's the wrong tree. And it's, a, and I mean, this is a real thing, especially if you do not have the money for it and you're worried about the water bill. It's like, Hey, you know, don't be taking a 10 minute shower. You're going to take a two minute because we got a tree. Okay. So do that. But then you put in the wrong tree and it's a total bummer. And then there's like, oh, well, we give you a year guarantee with your tree. And then it, here comes this downer. And so I really want to address this because I think for small business, we need to invest in the small business nurseries and the tree people that keep getting bought out by the big people who ship off a bunch of stuff that you don't need. Sorry. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> yeah we, we made uh, nurseries a big priority of our work. You know, we have uh, really ambitious goals in the urban and rural landscapes. And uh, we just did an analysis that found there's just not enough tree stock coming in the pipeline to wow. these needs. Uh, so um, in the urban side in particular, we've like in Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, we've We've actually created uh, nurseries on vacant lots, very small scale nurseries to, to propagate exactly what you're talking about. It, it gets complicated on the native side because as cities are warming up, the question is what is native anymore? Because what was native, you know, a hundred years ago probably isn't going to be native uh, in another hundred years unless we can figure out how to change course uh, on our climate. Wow. wow. So what do we do now? You look at what's more adaptable to, you know, so for water true. too. That's a big deal. Exactly. And like the urban forest is really a laboratory, a microcosm of what we're dealing with globally. Like we used to kind of think there was an out there that nature was out there. Environmentalists used to protect land out there from people over here. But, you know, now we're in the Anthropocene, which is humans are driving the outcomes of our ecosystem. So we don't have an out there anymore. The whole world is a human ecosystem. So within these urban environments, we're dealing with for a long time, we've been dealing with that question of adaptability versus native. Like we get native in as often as we can. Let me be clear about that, especially in parks when there's open space and they can thrive. But like in a really dense downtown urban core, um, you know, sometimes a London plane tree, like you'll, you'll walk around New York City, you'll see a lot of London planes. Uh, they're this, those off-white colored trees. And they're like in these really tight areas. There's underground engineering, silver cells, we call them, that uh, give root spaces to grow. So there's a lot of technical work that goes into figuring out like what's, what tree is actually going to thrive here to give these services and not be an invasive. Wow. So it's, we've got, it, we're kind of merging. It's interesting. You know, we did an interview about maybe 2008 or nine. There's a guy in San Francisco who had a documentary made. He was a homeless man. And he was feeding the conure parrots in San Francisco, these parrots that would come through. And they came here because it's a port 
these parrots ended up out, flew out off the ship. And here they are. They didn't do anything really negative. And he kept feeding them and hanging out with them. A lady docu- did a documentary. They ended up getting married and happy. And we actually went and met him in San Francisco years ago and went and met some of the Conyers. And he's taking care of them. And she's now more into the Conyers than he is. <laughs> she's cool. She, she's really an awesome, awesome filmmaker. But um, he was talking about this whole thing about Native. And we're so hardcore environmental, like, only natives it's like the wild horse issue the wild horses do actually provide some good things in land and if you want to think about the wild horse issue you there's there are actual fossils showing that wild horses actually were here before the spanish brought the horses here so there's a whole drama with that but if something is working well in the ecosystem don't we kind of have to look at that now because our temperature has changed we're finding new species we didn't have before and losing ones that have been here before like now, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Just on that note, like one thing we are doing with native species is trying to propagate more resilient ones. Um, like, like as our climate is getting warmer, pests and disease are spreading more quickly. There's not that dormancy period. We're not, it's not getting as cold in the winter. So, um, okay. so it's a big risk. So we partnered with the U.S. Forest Service on this program called Roots of Rock, where we are um, looking at uh, the, identifying specimen in the Northeast, particularly east, Eastern US, that survived the initial um, emerald ash borer infestation. And, and the, then the Forest Service is taking those, uh, pulling those gen- genetics out of those trees and propagating them. And then we're planting them in our Detroit nurseries with the idea being uh, to get genetics into the, the ecosystem that are gonna be resilient to, to these pests. And we're starting with uh, ash borer, but uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of other pests and disease that we're, we're, we have our eye on going forward. Well, there's the the, the beetle that was out in the West that, like, I mean, we Nancy and I we evacuated seven wildfires in a year and a half, and it was all that one beetle that was out there getting the trees. And of course, there's a water issue too. So it's like I kind of feel like there's this hand in hand thing with water and trees, and that's also a fear of people um, putting trees in. Are wor- they're worried about the water? But I feel like from what I've read and everything that the more trees we have, the more water we will actually have at the end. It's like, it's kind of a, it's a, a weird cycle to think of it that way, but we need trees to have water. Yeah. You know, and Lisa, when earlier we were talking about the benefits of tree equity and, and, and how tree equity score demonstrates that, um, uh, you know, I, ta- I, I spoke a lot, for example, about extreme heat and air pollution. And we do feel like that's the leading connection between healthy, climate resilient uh, communities and the benefits of trees. But, you know, the uh, clean water um, uh, and, and uh, managing uh, water risks in cities, you know, flooding and, uh, and, and storm surges and those like, kinds of things is also impacted uh, by trees. And so actually when you go into tree equity score, for example, it shows you that uh, when we increase the tree canopy and create tree equity, how much more rainfall will, will be intercepted uh, by trees. Uh, which helps uh, you know slow and attenuate how water moves through our communities. How much runoff will be avoided uh, into uh, you know our waterways uh, in cities? It helps promote cleaner, healthier waterways, and which is both a public health issue when you live next to a dirty, polluted waterway. There are health risks that come with that, but also it turns something from a uh, a danger into an amenity when you have clean waters uh, running through our communities. So there there are all sorts of water connections to trees. I'm really glad you brought that out because I think sometimes it's overlooked. 
we have something that's a solution for heat, it's a solution for air quality, and it's also a solution for, for how we manage water in our cities. Like, what more do we want? Today, we're focusing on jobs. And of course, I'm, I'll go in every, you know, arm of a tree on this conversation. But um, when you think about what trees do for a business, okay, we talk about flood, fire, I've been through both as a business owner and also helping business owners and my friends and family over the years. When a flood happens in a downtown, it affects the business. And so this is one thing we always talk about creating jobs and Sarah, we're going back there because like, you know, what Ian was talking about, man, we got a whole crew of people we need to get hired out there. But when we talk about trees, the importance of trees, you know, even where you want to shop, if a downtown has a tree-lined downtown, I want to go shopping. If it's hot and they don't have anything, you know, the strip malls with nothing outside and your car is going to bake. I mean, at least put the solar powered little car shelters, you know, do that, number one, you know. But if you don't have trees, I don't want to shop there. And we all fight over the parking lot that has the tree. Always, always. I mean, businesses that, that are along tree-lined streets, research shows um, that they make 9% more than businesses that don't. So it, it literally affects your bottom line. Um, really? When you, when you have an abundant, well-maintained tree canopy. 9%? Or, yeah. yeah who doesn't want 9% right now? I mean, it, it, I mean, it's and, summer. <laughs> and I mean, for, for folks who, who maybe are business owners, who are small business owners, who are listening to this or tuning in, um, or who are interested in becoming entrepreneurs. I mean, 25% of tree trimmers and pruners are small business people. They're, they're run by, they're self-employed. And so the opportunity here also to be able to get into business and, and do, do good work, uh, caring for, planting more trees, maintaining tree canopy cover is also huge. I mean, mm-hmm. when you go into tree equity score and you, and you look at, um, neighborhoods that need more, more tree canopy cover, you actually get a number, uh, that, that jobs number that Jack talked about earlier, you get a number of jobs that are supported, um, by, uh, that neighborhood then working to achieve tree equity. And so, you know, this is the, the data is really very helpful, um, uh, very helpful in helping us frame the picture of potential that, uh, urban tree canopy has in helping us support resilient economies. I mean, one of the things that we we haven't quite talked about, but I want to kind of put a pin on is and, and, and talk about is this concept that what happened to actually create tree inequity in the first place, it was, it was disparate and mm-hmm. uh, discriminatory planning and housing policies, Absolutely. right? It was the purposeful exclusion of certain people groups from access to capital, including capital to buy homes, to build businesses, to create green and, and, and better built infrastructure in their communities. And so these communities then, you know, hundred years later, after uh, policies like redlining had, had been in effect um, from the government, now these communities are suffering high heat um, uh, rates in, in the summertime. They're suffering from um, higher health disparities and other kinds of basically environmental injustices. Absolutely, the health thing is, is huge. Fixed. The health thing is huge. We can help rectify those things through 
in, in an economically resilient way, right? By through employment, through through uh, business ownership, through um, you know feeling like connected with nature, right? Through trees, and it it is it is really um, a no brainer. You know, I to, think it would be great if we had more of you know the, the folks in those communities. Like, hey, this is your job in this community. If that can happen, if that's what they want, you know what I mean. So it's like. Hey, let's let's rebuild. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. Some of the places we've been to, we went to Allensworth in Central California, and they got wiped out um, from drought, which came from big agriculture. Allensworth was one of the only black communities created by Colonel Allensworth, who fought in this country and for this country. And he created a black community. It was, I mean, it was amazing. We went through all the buildings, and it was again pushed out. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a state park now. And there's a few other communities, but this was like a really iconic one. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So now what about hello? OK, we're also looking. I love that you have a woman behind you in the trees because we need more black women, Asian women, Hispanic women, Latino women. I mean, Native American women that are able to be able to do these kinds of jobs and also be able to have a resiliency in regards to not just a job or a career, but entrepreneurship and in the banking industry too, in the financial sector has to happen too. And so if we could do green to green, isn't that good? <laughs> it's ideal. I mean, we're, I mean, the team, I mean, you know, Ian leads our, our whole, you know, our true equity team. Um, and we've all been working on really innovative financing mechanisms to pay for this. I mean, there's public financing, there's private financing, there's kind of pay for performance financing, right? Like he he mentioned, we're in the Anthropocene. Humans determine the health of our planet, you know, the outcomes of our our, uh, ecosystems, right? And so we need to take responsibility as citizens of this planet to then figure out how we can maintain it long-term so that we have a habitat mm. <laughs> a few hundred years from now. Right? Yeah, no so. kidding, right? What do you think? Yeah, Absolutely. so what would you, Sarah, what can people do now listening that say, well, listen, you know, COVID got me. I, I got to get a job. I got to do something. A lot of people are turning to entrepreneurship after COVID. This has become a very split thing and maybe it's a part-time side job too. Like you could balance you know, here's where you're working and here's your new, you know, career. You can do that split balance where, how can they connect with you to, to get these resources? Absolutely. Call I mean, Sarah, it's... 1-800. She's in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> you can, I mean, you can always, I always check, check our website, right? Check, check out first check, check triathletescore.org. Check okay. out what the scene is. What, what is your score? What is happening near you? Um, so that you're one informed about what's happening near you. Yeah, and yeah. If you want to take action about it, reach out to us. We we have all of our contact information on our website, AmericanForest.org. Um, and if you're in the market for an entry level tree care job, um, our partners at the Tree Care Industry Association run uh, OutsideCareers.org. Tons of jobs. You can apply for jobs all over the country there. And one of the things that we've been doing in partnership with with them with other industry leaders like the International Society of Arboriculture and the Utility Arborist Association is creating new ways to train folks who are coming into the field. So soon, hopefully you'll be, you'll all be able to, um, uh, everybody will be able to find a place near them to get trained. Um, if they're new to the field and they need a little bit of an extra kind of 
assistance in um, getting the tree care basics because I mean, Ian is a certified arborist. I am not a certified arborist. It is. Yeah. I, I, I think in people, I don't quite think in um, xylem and flow on that. Well, what All about the, like, volunteering? Tree, tree so, I really believe in volunteering first. Volunteer, if you can't afford it, volunteering is great. But if you need a paycheck, we've got jobs. Yeah, yeah, so. right. You're right. Okay, paycheck first. I get it. Yeah. But sometimes I think if you can, as kids too, for the youth, get out there now and start checking out. If you have an interest of outdoors, this is a th- way to go is start volunteering and doing stuff, you know, and, and get involved, you know, because it's a career path forward. Yes. So. And one, one other piece too is we're actually actively hiring right now. I'm, I'm glad that I got a little I can come. I told, I told Jen I want to go plant a tree after his last interview. Am I going to go plant some now? I'll go, I'll, I'll plant them across the country for you. <laughs> if, 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 if folks are interested and they happen to be in the Bay Area, in the, the Twin Cities area, so Minnesota um, and, and uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, or if they're in Detroit, uh, the Detroit metro area, we're hiring uh, in partnership with Davy Tree Experts. Uh, just like Aziza back here is employed now with Davy, um, we have many more open slots to fill. So folks or are getting interviewed at the moment um, and, and moving through that process. But if you want to get up in a tree and be cool like Aziza, you should apply for a job. Yeah, she is uh, cool. Look at her. To, She's swinging in there. <laughs> yeah, go. She's become a tree climbing arborist. Uh, so. Awesome. And, and Lisa, can I just chime in here? Because I want I, Sarah's a humble and, and I, I want to just tip my cap to her and, and the partners, the amazing partners we're working with. You know, I, I talked earlier about the fact that we it, it's just a moral imperative that we turn this work of tree equity and look, what we hope to be billions of dollars of investment that it's going to take to create tree equity we must leverage that into economic opportunity, not just for anyone, for the people in these neighborhoods that have been economically underserved uh, and disadvantaged for such a long time. And so, you know, it'd be one thing to say, well, we're just going to kind of throw those jobs out there and hope that the, that the people who need them the most can find them. Um, But, you know, we know from the trends now that a lot of times the people who need those jobs aren't even aware that such jobs exist. Or they move and out so of town. So a lot, a yeah. lot of the work that we're doing uh, in in these partnerships that Sarah's describing is is not just creating the positions, but really building relationships um, and increasing awareness um, in the reaching out to and actively engaging with the folks who might not even know that career exists. And in some cases, creating stepping stones like pre-employment programs that give people a chance to kind of dip their toe in the water and get a little more experience that then gives them a momentum to say, oh, now I, I see what's, what's possible there and to jump into longer uh, term f- uh, full-time you know, permanent uh, positions and, and other kinds of techniques uh, uh, to make sure that we're, we're not just hoping that these are viable career pathways for everyone, we're making them viable career pathways for anyone who wants to participate. We wanna knock down every barrier mm. so that that, that person can um, and not just hope they find it. We want to find you, reach out, and really engage. And so uh, that's I, important. You know, I, I think it's really a critical part of, uh, of of the work that that needs to be done by us, by all the organizations that are coming together to capture this opportunity. Um, and so it, you, this, like you're giving the opportunity for for us to share this information with people, to share these opportunities that. that uh, Sarah was just describing is is incredibly valuable. Uh, we, we need this to go by word of mouth too. Well, this is really huge in regards to what you've done with tree equity. And Ian, I know you've done so much work on this. So kudos and and all of you. I mean, the whole organization, 
Um, trees are so important. Obviously, the tree equity, putting the economic wealth, putting in, hello, these are the neighborhoods that got in, you know, just totally, you know, forget them over here. And by the way, we can put an industrial plant and pollute you too. You know, right. um, that's what really happens. Or we're just, yeah, and don't start me on that. That's a whole other show. But it is so important to have the education. We've gone out and done interviews in city parks and gone out with the, the, the guys who are doing the parks and the maintenance and the, the treescaping and everything and gone out. And it's interesting. I'm still going to get in trouble later, but I don't care. Going away from the city people and dealing with the people on the ground were two different instances and yet they've done this amazing project this one example which i'm not going to say where they were sitting explaining all the trees and why they were chosen these plants were chosen and how people will come into this area and go well that's not a flower and it's a flower because they don't understand what a local flower looks like you know what i mean more native and not all native like ian what you were talking about so there was this lack of education happening between what would happen in a city meeting to here's all the productive work with the people on the ground doing the planting. And then here comes, oh, we want to invest in something else instead of reinvesting into what has been built. And there's this lack of communication. So when it comes to jobs and careers, I would like to see more careers in the actual PR and interpretive fields because there needs to be more communication between the community and what's happening on the ground across the country. And I'm the person going around looking for those people and it's get they're, 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 they're like, Oh, they're just this. No, we need those people out there because if the community doesn't understand why this tree is being planted and how it's benefiting and why they chose this and have it as a demonstration garden of what you can do in your backyard, it, it's a lost cause because the funding won't be refunded. And I've seen this and then contractors come in and all of that goes away. So I'm just saying from some of the projects we've seen, I really want in the job sector, more people to be able to communicate with the locals about what is going on. The new local newspapers should have a column about their local city parks and gardens and what to grow and how to grow it support your nursery people in that way if you can because if people don't understand and they just walk by a tree and i mean consistently education and interpretation are two hugely important sectors in our field um but education and interpretation can't happen if the maintenance doesn't happen first right so yeah we're i mean jad and ian have led us we now have a new vp of urban policy it's amazing as well on this journey too of hoping to like reimagine what maintenance commitments look like. Like mm-hmm. where are the public dollars to actually support long-term? Yeah, you know, our city it. arborists, our parks and recreation departments, our departments of public works, our, our people who work in general services, wherever the, the tree people end up living, right? In your community. <laughs> the tree people, um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We're there, they're everywhere, but it's, it's, it's just a matter of finding them sometimes and making sure that they have the support that they need. And so yeah. they, maybe that's a good place to ask too for folks who are curious about what they can do, right? Mm-hmm. Figure out your tree equity score and reach out, reach out to the folks who are, who are doing that, that work on the shoestring budget that Ian mentioned earlier and say, 
how can I help? How can I make sure that you have the kind of department and, and, and that's robust enough, right, for us to get to that goal of street equity in, in our community? And maybe start something yourself. <laughs> start start doing it start digging and start doing you know that's the thing you know because i see communities where we we communicate with so many people in a community and not them not actually seeing their own backyard half the time and that's why we have why nancy started the magazine in south africa was people were like there's nothing in our backyard and we're like what the hell are you talking about you know look at your backyard and even in, during covid i think people started to look at their backyards better so this is in the most perfect time where people are like oh i can't go sit under the tree cuz i don't have one it's hot you know what can we do about this how can we work together so like the example i was talking about the one city program it was an amazing program if there was more outreach within the community and if the community reached back out instead of just, oh, I don't know, and walk away. That's the other part, is our own responsibility as community members to step up, not just wait for the city to do something. So that's part of that. I'm not trying to be a ranter, but I do know how to raise. <laughs> so, you guys, thank you so much for all that you do. Um, AmericanForest.org, is that the right website for everyone to go? Tree yeah. Equity Score, go do it. Um, this is really fascinating as we keep going and, and checking it out and following the roads and going, okay, I got to check our GPS as we travel, but um, it's going to get really interesting as we travel and we start doing, and we're going to do a tree map, tree equity store map as we travel of what we see. Um, and just to kind of put it out there, just as a, hello, this area needs some help. So go create a job or get one there. <laughs> so, so it's Davy trees that are doing all this, right, Sarah? Yes, but we have many other employers who, I mean, okay. if you're in any, any like major natural area, any area for, for the most part, a tree care company is hiring. In That's company. awesome. So, That's exciting because people want jobs right now. So it's exciting. Well, thank you so much all for joining us. Thank you, Jad, Ian, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you. I, Thank you. Before we go, I want to also give a shout out. We do have our tree sponsor, Margot Carrera, the fine art nature photographer. She loves everything that's happening at American Forest. Check her out at CarreraFineArtGallery.com. Thank you, Margot, for everything. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh-huh.